Welcome to OCDQ Radio, a podcast from OCDQ Blog. Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQ Radio is a vendor neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines, including data governance, master data management, and business intelligence. OCDQ Radio is produced and hosted by Jim Harris, the blogger in chief at Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQBlog.com. This episode of OCDQ Radio is sponsored by the Enterprise CIO Forum, an online global forum by and for CIOs and IT leaders in the world's largest multinational companies, sponsored by HP. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, we will discuss the evolution of enterprise security. In an IT landscape increasingly being dominated by cloud computing and mobile devices, Enterprise security is becoming an even more important and more complex topic of discussion than it already was, which is why I'm pleased to be joined today by a special guest. Bill Labaris is the editorial director of the Enterprise CIO Forum, in which capacity he oversees the content of both its U.S. and international websites. He is also editorial director and social media manager in the IDG Custom Solutions Group, working closely with clients to create highly individualized custom content programs that leverage the wide range of media capabilities, including print, online, multimedia, and custom events. Bill Abaris was editor-in-chief of Computer World from 1986-1996, has been a frequent speaker and keynoter, and has written for various business publications, including the Wall Street Journal. Bill Labaris has been closely following the IT sector for 30 years. Bill Labaris, welcome to OCDQ Radio. Jim, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. Well, we appreciate you stopping by today. We want to talk about the evolving challenge of enterprise security in the era of cloud and mobile. Last week, I was out doing a two-hour roundtable with 21 CIOs from around the country, and absolutely the two concerns, challenges they have before them going into the next 12 to 15 months are cloud and cloud security and mobility, BYOD, and that whole movement, and mobile security. So let's start off with cloud. Why don't we take a look at a few of the myths and realities of cloud security, especially the difference between public and private cloud security? I think it is good to segment the discussions about security in the cloud into private cloud and public cloud. There's some overlap, I think, as one might expect, but there's enough differentiation between the two that we can discuss them. Let's take private cloud security, well, first of all, and sort of an underlying assumption, I think, that for some reason private cloud is or should be more secure than public cloud. I think most people would say that it is. I'm not so sure that's the case. I, I'm not sure that one is necessarily inherently more secure than the other, and I'll explain in a minute. If you take the private cloud, the security concerns seem to be evolving around things like access controls, virtual machine trust levels, and whether or not you have adequate levels of firewalling. Whereas in the public cloud, when you, when you talk to people and ask them what the security concerns are, there are things that come up like confidence in the provider's security, control over data in the boundaries of the data, and also the ability to adequately measure and audit security services when basically you're going to a public cloud provider. Now, if we look at these things and try to say, okay, now what's really reality here? 
Well, consider it in a private cloud, right? Things are kind of behind your own firewall. One thing about a cloud, obviously, is it's a highly virtualized environment. Now, in virtualized environments today, there is still a lot of manual security provisioning that goes on. Well, if we, say, spin up, as people like to say, a new server in, in a private cloud or in the public cloud, for that matter, what if it gets spun up before the IT department has a chance to manually provision that server with the right security? That means that even in a private cloud setting, you could have a very insecure server for some period of time if some line of business manager decides to just spin it up. In the public cloud, the popular myth seems to be that security is really the responsibility of the vendor. And therefore, as I mentioned a minute ago, one of the concerns about public cloud security is confidence in the, in the provider's security. Well, it, it simply isn't true that, that security is the responsibility of the, of the provider in the public cloud. They're responsible only up to a point, and that point is usually around where the application starts. That security from that point onward is the responsibility of the individual company. So I don't necessarily see one as being inherently more or less secure than the other. I think some common sense about extending your own internal policies in the non-cloud environment, governance and things like that into both public and private cloud are probably a best starting spot to, to mitigate some of the real concerns. Perhaps we should take a step back for a moment and make sure that we are giving people a good definition of a distinction between public and private. So in the case of private cloud, it would typically be the internal IT department or some internal group that is taking on responsibility for the virtualized environment, whereas in public cloud, it would be some type of an external group or service provider that would be taking on part or all of the responsibilities of the virtualized environment. And you had mentioned the distinction between the platform and the application or the platform and the software. We even think of the infrastructure versus the platform of the software. But is there a better or maybe more succinct definition you could provide for the distinction between public cloud and private cloud? In the public cloud, your data, your processing in some cases, the things that you're doing on those servers, it's happening on servers that are partitioned, and they're also serving other people other than yourself. You will not know who those other organizations are. The public cloud providers will tell you their absolute security in the way these servers are partitioned, but it's all happening outside your own firewall. You'd have to rely upon the service provider's security and trust in that. In a private cloud setting, you're essentially providing all the shared resources yourself, managing it entirely or securing it entirely. You're petitioning the servers in relation to what you think is best for your organization. And that's why I think something like access controls is a bigger security concern in private cloud than it is in public cloud. This is perhaps even an easier way of looking at this that will sort of heighten the distinctions a little bit as well. As organizations test the cloud waters more, and today I think it's safe to say 50% at least and probably 60 65% of large organizations and decent-sized mid-range organizations have applications in the cloud, and some of them are very, very active in the cloud. There's not going to be one cloud model that dominates ever. In fact, what we're seeing emerge is this concept of a hybrid cloud where you have some things in the public cloud, some things in a private cloud, and some things that are done in more traditional non-cloud environments. Specifically, if you're an organization, like your hospital or, or a bank or any other vertical market where there's a great deal of regulation and compliance, it wouldn't be uncommon to do things like, say, develop applications such that you do, say, testing in the public cloud because that's safe. You're not going to lose anything that's going to sink the ship over there. You may do a lot of the uh, development in the private cloud while doing the testing in the public cloud, 
But when it comes to actually executing on the data, which is highly secure data with a lot of compliance and regulation attached to it, that will be done outside the context of the cloud entirely. That's a so-called hybrid cloud or a hybrid service model that I think we're seeing emerge. Now, maybe that will change as people's conceptions about security in the private cloud and security in the public cloud changes. But right now, that's the model that we're seeing emerge quite a bit where you can break up essentially an application or a series of applications and do different pieces of it in, in different areas and overall you know, save money and still have great agility and all the great benefits of cloud. I want to go back to one of your earlier points about the myth that a private cloud should by nature be more secure than a public cloud. Because I think a lot of people are initially afraid of the cloud from a public cloud perspective because they assume that if aspects of enterprise security are not under their purview, then that would naturally seem to make it a less secure environment as opposed to having their own IT department or own internal resources responsible for security in terms of the private cloud should make it more secure. But like you said, that's not necessarily true because there's still this fundamental responsibility for security that someone has to be responsible for. And just because it's private, not public, doesn't automatically mean that those security procedures are being put in place. Is there something fundamentally different in terms of private cloud security versus other aspects of of security that traditional IT departments have been responsible for in the past? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that you can't impact the security or the way the public cloud provider provides security. However, you can take the same rules of governance, of access controls, and all other aspects of security that, that you would impose yourself, and you can work with a public cloud services provider to ensure that, and, and get this, by the way, in writing, you, know, you, can, you can develop a service level agreement that essentially says, we are baking this same level of security into the cloud service that we're going to provide for you. So you can't absolutely be certain that it's being done because you're not doing it yourself but work with a good provider and you can get everything or most everything that you want. Now, of course, everything has a price, but it it all depends on what you're doing there. It's worthwhile to point out that if you look at what applications are moving into the cloud initially, and and this is, I think, good advice to people who are dipping their toe in the water who haven't really gone into the cloud a whole hog yet, you've got to do something that, that makes common sense in terms of securing the data. So you're finding things like the first types of applications that go into the cloud are things like email and messaging or collaboration and conferencing solutions. These are fairly low-risk things that don't have a lot of compliance and regulation and risk management attached to them necessarily. Now, at the bottom of that list, the things that really aren't going into cloud or into the public cloud, certainly, are things like compliance management, supply chain management, enterprise resource management, more heavy-duty enterprise applications because there isn't the comfort level, nor should there be, that you can get all the security that you need, at least at this point in time. As I said, it's a dynamic situation, Jim. Things are changing as people become more comfortable. But as long as there isn't any security Armageddon that happens in the public cloud or in the private cloud, I think you'll see more and more applications moving to the cloud. It just makes sense. You're listening to OCDQ Radio, a vendor-neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines from the Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality blog produced by Jim Harris. Visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast to find ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio and get links to the blog post summaries of every episode. You'll also find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you would like to discuss sponsorship opportunities. 
So be sure to visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast for more information about OCDQ Radio. And now, back to the show. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, we are discussing the evolution of enterprise security in the era of cloud computing and mobile devices. Our special guest for this discussion is Bill Labaris, Editorial Director of the Enterprise CIO Forum. Our focus before the break was cloud computing. As the discussion continues, we shift our focus to mobile devices. The access management aspect, which you brought up a few times, actually is we step over into the mobile side of the world because more and more of the enterprise's workforce is not co-located at the same physical location, may not actually be working what we would typically consider quote-unquote normal business hours. And a lot of times they are looking to access the same type of data applications and systems that they would be able to access at the office, but access them via mobile devices, which with the burgeoning BYOD, bring your own device movement, might not even be devices that were issued to them by the company. So the mobile and cloud kind of go hand in hand in the sense that most of what we access on mobile devices is essentially something that has been put into a cloud environment for our access. So what are some of the implications of security for how mobile and cloud intersect? The implications are huge for a couple of reasons, and you've touched on them. One is that the magnitude of the mobile explosion was never, ever planned or thought out. I mean, you went from the introduction of Apple's tablet, the iPad, I think it was in the spring of 2010, to a point just a year later where combined sales of smartphones and tablets eclipsed the sales of laptops and to never look back. And not only the number of smartphones that are in use today, but the sophistication, the growing sophistication of both the devices and the integrity and strength of the underlying network, you know, 4G networks and 5G networks. I mean, you're talking just a phenomenal amount of compute power that you, that you hold, you know, quite literally in hand. The scary thing to IT people, of course, is they have absolutely no control over this. The entire history of the IT resource has been predicated on IT being able to control not only the devices that are being used, but a lot about the way that they're used. The whole mobile movement is kind of blowing that all away. So it's creating problems and challenges that senior IT people are having to learn about on the fly. That's the bad news. The the good news, I think, is that same thing with the cloud world. A lot of what you do in the non-cloud environment along the ways of governance and risk management are portable into the cloud environment. All the cloud is. I mean, the cloud isn't revolutionary. It's just IT service delivery. We just happen to be calling it a little something different and coalescing around certain standards. On the mobile side, what's good is that we seem to be settling on a couple of major delivery platforms, namely um, iOS and Android. A plethora of devices out there is really not that relevant because increasingly what I'm hearing people say is don't secure the device. You secure with software and you secure the platforms and make sure that that element is set. Don't worry about the devices that are out there. But the main thing, as I say, is that a lot of the common sense stuff that you've learned and that you've, that are already in practice in securing the other IT resources very much come into play in securing the mobile front. The explosion is, is going to accelerate, if anything. I mean, it's mind-numbing how, how it's mind-numbing what's happened out in the mobile world. The mobile explosion really has caught a lot of people by surprise because, like you said, it's really been only about five years because we had the the notable arrivals of the iPhone and the Kindle in 2007, the Android operating system in 2008, 
and the iPad in 2010 that really made mobility explode along with the now widespread availability of connectivity options like Wi-Fi and 3G, 4G broadband. The original mobile device was a laptop computer, which was disruptive in its own way back in the 1990s, but most of those were issued by the enterprise But they also had their own problems because laptops, which have also become more powerful, were really self-contained computers where we could actually have a lot of data and a lot of applications running native on a laptop that was unconnected to any type of virtual environment. But the mobile devices through smartphones and tablets are very different in the sense that the mobile devices are not really designed for you to do anything offline. Most smartphones and tablets have what we would now call very limited disk space, only having maybe a couple of gig of space on the hard drive. And most applications for smartphones and tablets are not designed to operate in offline mode. So to your point about it's not so much about securing the device as it is about securing the platform that the device is connected to is really, I think, very important because almost everything that we're really using, especially in a business-impacting way, It's not really on the mobile device. It's what that mobile device connects to, which, again, comes back to some type of a virtualized environment provided through a public or private cloud. So what are some of those things that people can do to help maybe have a more secure environment for mobile and cloud working together? Let me just take a step back. The first thing you need to do is, you haven't done it already, is is to address some sort of formal BYOD policy, bring your own device policy. Whether you allow it or disallow it, it doesn't matter. You've got to make it clear what it is that you do. One of the CIOs I was talking to last week from a multi-billion dollar company, I mean, their policy is, look, we'll support anything that you have, but you've got to play by our rules. That means that you've got to give us the ability to wipe that thing clean anytime we feel that it needs to be wiped clean. So you might go out and purchase the device, but they essentially are controlling it. In exchange, obviously, they're probably paying for part of the data plan or whatever, too. So as far as the list of things to do, I think, first of all, as I say, develop a BYOD policy that makes sense for your organization, whatever that might be, and and make it clear to everybody what the terms of use are, whether or not they're free to go and download all the applications that they want, whatever the policy might be. And there's all sorts of information out there on the considerations that you want to address when you're developing this policy. So that's number one. I think number two, simultaneously, you've got to start thinking about some kind of broad mobile device management solution. Now, there are some you can develop yourself. I think this is a really good place to go out and find a trusted partner. And sometimes they sell these solutions wholesale. Sometimes they, they rep them for somebody else. Sometimes they just give you consulting on what needs to be included in this. But this mobile device management solution will tie directly back into your broader data center management security solutions. In consideration of these solutions, you obviously have to have one that supports multiple device platforms, but in a single window. You don't want to really create a management kludge just because you have different types of devices and maybe multiple operating systems or platforms. So you need to try to develop a solution that where you can manage everything in a single window and something that will allow both personal devices and corporate-owned devices to be managed. You may want to consider developing your own app store, you know, if you're a big enough organization and you have solutions that, that you encourage people to download and use. I think you've got to look at things like cost management, too, for the mobile resources that are out there. 
you know, if you've got a lot of people who are traveling internationally, and we've all heard these stories about people getting hundred, if not thousand dollar, three figure and four figure bills for international data roaming, and they didn't even know that that they were running these charges up. If you're going to start managing large numbers of devices or at least being responsible for them, then I think you've got to really give a lot of consideration to cost management. There are some other common sense things too, you know, with involving firewall and antivirus and all that sort of thing. But I think those are the main best practices that all fall from those two initial ones. One, put a BYOD policy in place and articulate what it is. And two, Start working on all the key elements of a comprehensive mobile device management solution that ties back to all your existing security best practices. The problem with any system, wherever it is, you want to make something secure, but you also want people who are authorized to be able to get past the security procedure. Yeah, it's an excellent point, particularly with the whole BYOD thing. What does the user want? Well, they want to be able to work anytime, anywhere with any device. What does the IT person need to do? It needs to secure the corporate information. So there's this constant struggle, as it were, to make the information as safe as it needs to be without interfering with the user experience to get at it. So you have multi-factor access controls and authentication. But if you go too far, then the users start complaining because, well, you know, it's too hard for me to get this. But finding that balance point is tough. The security versus convenience is always the big trade-off because, like you said, users want it to be convenient. But the more convenient it is, by its very nature, the less secure it is. That's right. IT or whoever's responsible for enterprise security wants it to be more secure. And by its very nature, the more secure it is, the less convenient it's going to be. Right. And that's a, a huge trade-off. And that's where a lot of hackers are looking for that weakest link. Right. And where is the point where the security might be at its weakest because of users crying for convenience? but because they want convenience, they're getting low security. As we talked about earlier, one of the bigger challenges is that this is all such new ground right now. You know, it's new territory. But as I also said, a lot of the same common sense practices that have been developed over really decades of securing internal resources do apply both to the mobile world and to the cloud world. And I think that's got to be your starting point. So are there any other aspects of either cloud or mobile security that we haven't touched on or any other closing thoughts on enterprise security best practices that you wanted to mention? Yeah, again, I think I've reiterated it, is go back in both instances to to what you've always done. And whether you're working with a third-party provider, you can make the same demands on them that you would make on yourself internally. I do think, as I said, and certainly in the case of both with cloud security and mobile security, I think it's advisable, particularly with the, with the resources that you're managing, to go out and get some third-party help. You, you can't expect to know everything. There are organizations out there, good companies, that have levels of expertise and kind of centers of excellence they've developed around these areas. Don't think you have to do it yourself. This is a lot of new territory, and there's great help out there, and I would strongly recommend people access it and leverage it. That's a great point, and this has been an excellent discussion. Bill Labaris. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on OCDQ Radio today. My pleasure, Jim. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to OCDQ Radio. Go to ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast, where you can find links to the blog post summaries of every episode, ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio via iTunes and a non-iTunes RSS feed, and a link to listen to OCDQ Radio on your mobile device with Stitcher Smart Radio. And you will find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, 
via Twitter, LinkedIn, and email. So be sure to visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening to OCDQ Radio. And until next time, may the data quality be with you always.